to the horror hour. Well, hello and welcome to the Horror Hour. It's a place we discuss, we debate, we disagree on all things horror. But today, I'm one of the co-hosts here, Yutaka, and I've got a special guest um, to talk about his recent short, uh, Swept Under, uh, Ethan Sue. How are you today, man? I'm good, Yutaka. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really, really excited to, to chat about this. Yeah, no, your project. So, um, well, it kind of hit me in the heart. And also I had to do some history on this because uh, reading the press release, and it's true, I didn't, I don't remember learning about this uh, growing up in school. So tell me a little bit more about um, this project and why you wanted to tell this story. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this, this project was kind of, kind of created in the spur of, of a couple moments, I feel like it's, it's always been at least the, the Cambodian American store has always kind of been bubbling inside of me because, you know, when I was younger, um, my mom is, is, is from Cambodia and she came here in a as a refugee in like the 80s. Um, but when I was younger, you know, her kind of childhood was never like accessible for me just because it was such a traumatic experience um, for her and her family. Um, and I guess that was something that I'd always kind of stayed in the back of my head. And I would always wonder what happened exactly because, you know, in, in high school, we got like a little brief rundown of, of what happened historically, which um, for people who don't know, uh, the Cambodian genocide was something that kind of occurred uh, between 1975 and 1979. And it was uh, kind of perpetrated by um, the Khmer Rouge. Uh, and it's, I think it's, at least within the top like 10 worst genocides in the history of the world so yeah i'm um, definitely not a light subject um but i but but i always knew that something that was something that affected her family um and so kind of um you know uh, i'd say like about a year and a half ago was something that i wanted to re-explore uh with a new kind of perspective in in the horror lens um and so that's kind of how uh that process started and then it you know it was also created and, and I started to write it during like a, a you know, one of many waves of, of Asian hate crimes. Um, and yeah. so I knew I wanted to address uh, that subject, but in, you know, from a different angle, like kind of highlight something um, that something, some kind of, some kind of, some type of Asian hate that is maybe a little harder to, to place, which um, in this case would be like US imperialism and colonialism. Yeah, no, I, oof. <laughs> yes, um, it, it was interesting that you filmed this during the, um, the pandemic and during what I would also say is when we started to see, at least um, as of late, just a, a string of Asian hate crimes. Um, and so it just, for me watching this, I was just thinking, uh, you know, as an Asian American and just because of our culture, uh, you know, both sides. I was just, it, it was always very hard to watch um, films like this, even though I appreciate it. And I thought you handled it, well, delicately. So I, I really liked that. Um, and I hope people do get the message because there were several microaggressions in here that I was like, ooh, 
Okay, that that feels familiar a little bit. That was interesting. Yeah. And like, I think the whole thing with like the the portrayal of of violence in in movies and in in this movie, I wanted to kind of, you know, it's it's a horror movie, so someone has to to die or get hurt. Um, sure. I think that kind of goes along with the genre, but like how you how one does it, I think can kind of, you know, change the message of the film or kind of push it in one way or another. And so like for, for this, I was very like um, intentional, hopefully with with how we depicted the violence. Um, and we kind of like definitely wanted to lean more of, into the off screen violence like Psycho or um, something like that, just because just because like at least, you know, in, in my social media feeds or on the news or whatever, um, I'm just in, like inundated with all of these like really horrific images, and and that's something that I didn't want to put on the big screen and out into the world. And and uh, well, you know, I I I, I mean, I hope that comes- I appreciate that honestly. It it I felt it had more emotional impact because I I don't need to see that to get the message, and yeah. so the fact that you did that is actually I I it was a nice touch, and even still, the shot after was that's what like hit me hard I was like ooh, that that was good but <laughs> I, I appreciate that though um I also uh am I would like to know then too what it was like is this your I should have looked is this your first short or that was in festivals or I yeah I mean to, to kind of simplify it I mean I guess it's my first short that that has played at or that is that will be playing at like a lot of major festivals okay. Uh, I um, it just graduated from college. Um, I went to USC uh, uh, and through their film program. So I made a bunch of student shorts um, that I was ultimately happy with. But I think um, just kind of uh, the the constraints of school. And then, you know, I, I finished school kind of in the midst of COVID. Um, so kind of the, all those constraints, I think, uh, definitely helped me, you know, navigate a different kind of, you know, film production side of the industry, but definitely I would say that this is, yeah, I think one of the first shorts that that I'm, you know, that is out there. So, um, and I know you were filming during COVID, but I, did, hmm, did it ever change um, the creative process, how you were going to approach this or maybe even change story elements? 100%. Uh, I think, you know, going through school, going through COVID school um, and having to do a whole oh, year yeah. online is definitely like, it It definitely played a part whether, you know, we liked it or not in terms of just the scale of the story. And, you know, I think when people watch it, it's it's a very contained story between a couple of characters in one location. And I think that was something that definitely came out of COVID, but I, I think definitely worked for our benefit. And I think leaning into those restrictions and, and those constraints that were, you know, that I placed on myself um, definitely, uh, it was, I don't know, it was a choice because of, of safety and concerns, but it was also, I think, worked well with the narrative and kind of, you know, um, throughout the story, kind of expanding it into a larger story and kind of drawing those connections um, historically into a much smaller level in this one house with these characters. And I think, ultimately, I think it worked out pretty, pretty well. I would agree. Uh... I'd like to also talk about um, another reason why I was really drawn to this also was reading about your star, Alvin, and just the fact when he had stated, um, you know, as a Cambodian American, 
you know, that you were specifically searching for that or that was the story. And so to have, to be able to represent that, uh, you know, myself growing up here in the Midwest, I can tell you just in the, well, in movies in general, growing up in the eighties, I can't say there were many um, big Asian names or even aside, the only one I could truly think of that was Japanese American, but even Asian in general was really, you know, Pat Morita because he just had that fame, but still, I never saw myself in film. And so I'm, what was that experience like um, working with him? Because he seems very grateful and I'm very grateful that you did that because I, I appreciate being able to see, you know, myself or I think a lot of people appreciate that, but. Yeah, no. And, it, you know, uh, Alvin is, is such a saint, you know, I think, I think he had, a, I think he had a lot of, of weight on this movie in terms of like what we were discussing and, and, and what, you know, he had to, and what his character served in terms of a larger like role of, of the story. Um, and I don't, he was, he was wonderful. I, I loved working with him. He was always, well, you know, to backtrack a little bit, like finding him, finding a Cambodian actor in LA, uh, definitely easier than other places because of, because there's such a large Cambodian population, especially in like Long Beach, which is where like Cambodia town is. Um, I think it's, I think it is the largest uh, population of Cambodians outside of the country. Oh, wow. Um, so like, yeah. Um, but, you know, in the scope of LA, it's not like we're not dominating the area, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but despite, you know, all of the Cambodians here, um, there weren't a lot of uh, people in, in the acting or like, in, I guess, in the entertainment side of the industry. So we actually had to, I scoured the internet for Cambodian American talent. Oh, wow. Um, and we just cold reached out to a bunch of people um, and a bunch of the other actors uh, who had read for for Cameron's role um, actually ended up playing extras in the final scene, um, which which I, I I don't know if we should spoil or not. No, uh, we'll, we'll hold that because that scene is, yeah, I, I want people to see this and I don't want to spoil that. That was okay. Yeah, exactly. But um, but anyway, so we found Alvin through you know he had done a couple short films before, um, and I, they were mostly uh, in the comedy space, but. You know, I think that was so interesting and, and so like, oh, wow. um, like I, I guess really attractive for me because I wanted, you know, Cameron to be likable, especially because um, I think we just needed characters to latch on to and with in the scope of this larger story. And so um, something about his energy and his just like um, friendliness on camera really shone through. And I think that's um, why he made such a perfect uh, Cameron um, in, in terms of like working with him on set and rehearsals and stuff, he was always down for, for everything, you know, the, like we were rehearsing in my apartment and kind of um, at the location. And despite, you know, not having a, a huge like budget for this movie, he was always really down for um, the, the minor stunts that we had to do, any ideas that we kind of just generated on the spot. Um, and I think that really comes through in the movie because, um, He's, yeah, he's just such a great performer and uh, I, I just can't get enough of, of, of him in this movie. So um, that was work, yeah. So that was life working with Alvin, um, amazing guy. Um, because this is a, I'm just curious, this is, you know, a tough topic. How did you all um, decompress though after either filming or just, you know, during the filming, I guess, process? You know, we, we had a lot of conversations um, in rehearsals with Alvin and uh, 
Lisa, who plays the sister, uh, Beth, and um, Brandon, who plays the neighbor character, we, we had a lot of conversations over Zoom just about, you know, despite telling such a, you know, morbid story um, and subject matter, like finding ways to approach it um, from a very, a very humanistic perspective. Um, mm -hmm. And so like, I think that definitely primed us and put us in a good spot for when we were shooting um, and on set, you know, I think despite like it being a very horror movie, like I think we had a lot of fun on set. <laughs> well, that's and good. I, that was, I think that was really key to, you know, helping us push our energy to get to the more intense scenes. Um, I remember, and you know, and when it did get intense, it got pretty intense. Uh, I remember that when we were filming one of um, Alvin's key scenes uh, with uh, the bat and kind of to avoid spoilers, that, that's what I'll just leave it at. Yeah. Um, and, you know, despite, you know, Al, part of Alvin being obscured, um, his, his like vocal performance and his like physical performance really um, got under my skin. And so I actually had to step away uh, from the set and hang out in the bathroom for a second, just because I was so emotionally affected by what he was able to do with, with so little. Um, and so that was like, maybe like the, that was like how I had to decompress a couple of times, but, um, but yeah. And then also like during like the editing process, it was, it was also really intense going through a lot of archival footage from the era um, and seeing a lot of, oh. you know, um, a lot of gruesome images um, that were never broadcasted or only broadcasted, only broadcasted once. And so to decompress from that, I definitely had to take a, many walks uh, around my apartment or just or around wherever just to get some sunlight um, and like listen to, to happy music and, and stuff like that. But, you know, it was ultimately in service of the story we were trying to tell. So I think um, it's just, you know, par for the course. That's true. Um, I love horror because, uh, you know, I think with, you know, good drama, there's good, well, there's drama, there's comedy, but I think with horror, I think there's more uh, room for storytelling. And that's why it, it can be more imaginative, but it can also kind of hit those hard facts. And I, I feel like you did that. Um, and I'd like to say the stunt work, that was fun. I, you know, I the way you used, well, and seeing some of the behind scenes footage, the way you all set that up to do those scenes. I mean, what was that process like then? I mean, you know, I love practical effects and practical stunt work, even when we are working with, you know, such a low budget, because I think that just, you know, makes making the movie fun, mm -hmm. um, makes it feel, especially when you've been on set for hours on end and like, when we when we were filming all the the big stunt stuff, uh, we you know it was an overnight shoot, so we were like hour nine or ten into our into our evening, and it was late. And I knew that if once we had got to this part of the shoot, energy would be kind of restored because it is such a fun thing to do, and makes it makes it feel like everyone's involved because they're all helping set up these practical effects. Um, so I, from, from from the beginning, like I I knew I wanted to do that. Um, and like I pushed the team, our production designers, our VFX guy um, to really help me brainstorm ideas in terms of how we can do it practically and safely. Um, because yeah, it's just so much fun and like, and finding creative ways to do it in camera. Like, I mean, you know, it was definitely challenging. And I think we had to sacrifice a couple um, of our more, you know, ambitious ideas to do it. Um, but I think it ultimately worked so much better for the budget, for the story. And like, when you see it on screen, especially like in a theater, like you really feel it. Um, 
And yeah, and you know, in terms of like inspirations, like I, I grew up watching, you know, Jackie Chan movies. And so seeing him <laughs> yes. in like movie story, like hopping across buses or, you know, you know, gliding or I guess less like sliding down the railing um, was just like, like, I don't know that like, those are the movies that, that I love and grew up with. So emulating that on, on any scale um, has just been a dream of mine. So, I, I mean, I was really happy to, to do it here. Uh, another thing that there's been, which I'm very happy about um, at, you know, well, I'd say in cinema or even at the box offices now, we're seeing more um, Asian stories or Asian led projects. Um, yeah. They're either they're more financial or, uh, or more commercial success or even creatively a success. I mean, I'll at least mention everything and we're all at once yeah. because Woo. I, I took my dad to see that and oh um, he cried. So because he's crying, I can't cry. I gotta, you know, I gotta keep strong because it, I mean, and it was just, but it was a moment to see that, to see him connect with it, myself connecting with it. And I'm happy that we're just seeing more of these stories come out. And so again, when, you know, Overlook had sent this to me, I was like, well, absolutely. I want to see this. Um, I, I mean, it's been, I've been very happy to see, I think even um, there was another project that came out um, with uh, from the Vang brothers and they, they talked about their history as well. And so I just, I really like to see, I'm happy that we're seeing more of those. I'm also really happy. Some of them are genre films versus yeah. maybe, you know, a comedy or drama. Like you guys are really coming out with some solid work. Uh, and speaking of just growing up, what were, what are some of your inspirations when it comes to um, film? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, like, I, I mean, I'm just happy that you brought up, you know, Asian American stories in the genre space, because I think that's like, something that, you know, has been pretty sorely underrepresented. And like, yes, as much as, you know, there's been such a push in Asian American cinema recently, um, I, you know, like I haven't connected with all the movies just because like, um, they're not like about, you know, backgrounds that I'm super like familiar with, or they're representing a very like one-sided, you know, um, mm -hmm. lifestyle that, yeah, it's just like, has not been my story and seeing, you know, I mean, I think everything everywhere is such a perfect model for, for that because it's, you know, it's, it's telling a very globalized story and, in, in what's like a fun genre piece. And I just can't get enough of it. I think I've seen it <laughs> multiple times in, in movie theaters so it's been yeah um but yeah I mean in terms of like inspirations um growing up you know I actually did not love horror or genre stuff that oh, much wow. just because okay. I think just because I think like my my dad would watch a lot of Asian horror movies um and you know it'd always be running and and that was something that just kind of scared me away um and so I didn't yeah so the short of it was I didn't love it until recently where you know I saw that genre was such a powerful tool to kind of talk about other issues that that are more complicated um to really break down in a, maybe like a traditional drama mm -hmm. or comedy or something um and so you know at, at first I was kind of drawn to it for that pragmatic reason but you know coming to to see it like you know you know even coming to to make um something in the genre space like it's just uh I I have so much more fun with it um, because of all the things you can really do creatively, like, you know, with this movie, we joke around that, like, you know, 
the biggest challenge of the movie was just, it was not shooting during COVID. It was not like casting Cambodian actors or whatever. It was making a rug seem scary or like at least <laughs> off, um, like a very like, you know, an energy that we haven't seen before. So it's just like that challenge, I think is really like enticing to me. Um, and so um, I, I strayed far from the question, but inspiration was wise. Like <laughs> I'd say now um, I'm really inspired by, by Asian horror movies, especially coming out of um, Japan and Korea, especially like, you know, from the early 2000s, like Dark Waters, um, the Japanese version was, is, you much know, better, <laughs> much, m m one, much better. And I think yes. too, like, it's like, once you see what, you know, they're doing with that movie in terms of like, um, the social message and, and commentary it's like oh like it, it makes me feel more emotional than maybe seeing that in like another movie um or like another genre um i think uh the wailing uh the korean movie from 2016 um is terrifying uh and i love it uh and then a lot of bong joon ho's work i'm, I'm also really inspired by who isn't um, but yes i, I love that <laughs> you know, and like especially like the host i think is is a perfect example of, of that because it's you know, it's breaking down like something as complex as like U.S. colonialism in Korea um, through a, you know, through a monster flick, which is something that's so familiar to audiences. But, you know, with that twist, it, it becomes something new and it becomes something so exciting. And there's so much more you can, I think, say and discuss about it um, using, you know, the, the confines of, of genre, which is like so fun to me. Um, so, yeah. So those are some of the, the movies that that I like. Yeah. I'm so happy that you mentioned the host. I there it's funny because um a few of my friends that I'll I'll mention that to have not seen that I go, how? But again, I'm, I remember seeing that back when it came out and I'm, it's still one to gravitate towards. And I'm just happy to see this success that he's also had. I mean, I'll I'll admit I was that kid, new words mean nothing, but when he got up on the stage and accepted his Oscar, I was screaming and shouting because that was the best thing ever that I was just like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and it, it's, you know, it's so powerful. Like even, you know, having just that stage to to say whatever you want for whatever, one minute, 30 seconds. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's great. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, um, one of the other things that I wanted to ask about on this project too, um, because you were also like some of the big scenes were at night, but also, um, how was it, I, I want to know without spoiling, but doing the lighting in that, that big scene, um, to kind of give it that, um, that effect or that emotional impact, because that was the big scene at the end, right? Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, it was, well, okay. So that, so that was something that we also shot practically, um, but had to involve a little more VFX just because of, uh, like, you know, um, spacing issues is sure you know so we so we shot you know three we shot three plates of that um and composited them together uh our production design team like rigged up uh pvc pipes as as a frame um to hold uh you know something in the air um oh wow okay and, you know so it, it and, and the P, and the pvc pipes i'm such a big fan of pvc pipes because they're cheap they're sturdy um, and you can get them from anywhere and in and, 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 and any size. And so, so I think that was more of a, a, a budget concern, but, um, but we had, you know, we, we got some studio time for our, our more key scenes. Um, and then our cinematographer, Graham Byers, uh, who I've worked with extensively um, and is wonderful. 
um, he, he kind of devised um, a bunch of different lights to kind of shine in different places for that shot. Um, oh, okay. So, it, 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 you know, that's I, neat. <laughs> I wish I could show some behind the scenes photos, but it, it took me too long to pull them up. But like, it's, um, <laughs> it was a complicated lighting setup that I think, you know, looks very simple on, on, uh, on the final product, but like in camera, it was, um, it was, a, it was very hot. It was very like, you know, uh, tight. Um, but, but that was all, you know, that was all him. Uh, and we, even during, even when we were setting it up, you know, th there were a couple lights that we were like, oh, like, what if we do it here? Like, what if we like angle them this way or, um, you know, put filters in front of them this way. Um, and that kind of gave it more life, um, which is always fun. Cause I, I think, you know, the filmmaking process is, is so long and can be so lonely. And I think just being mm -hmm. able to bounce ideas back, or, uh, at any time, at any point of the production, whether it be pre, during, or post, like, uh, has really been something that I love doing. And I think something that helped push this project because it's, you know, because it's so like, uh, I think unique in, in a sense, I, I, I would tell everyone on this project that we only have one chance to tell a story like this in this way. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that just kind of gave everyone a little bit uh, of, of a push to just kind of like, give me their craziest idea. And then, you know, we'd work together to distill the best version of that. And I think something with the lighting for that last shot in particular um, is, is, you know, a kind of a key example of, of how we pulled that off. That's, I like that you have said that too, in terms of, uh, I would say motivation, but no, that's, uh, makes me love this film even more. <laughs> um, I would like to know then too, uh, you know, when it came to film, well, one, where did you get this rug? <laughs> it's, <laughs> It's also, okay, you know, I feel so bad because like, I feel like we're going to spoil everything if we talk about it in depth. So I'm going to try oh, to okay. possible, right? No, but like it's, the, the rug is, is supposed to, to kind of look um, cheap uh, and kind of um, inauthentic and artificial. And so we, we got it for, I think like 70 bucks on rugs.com. Um, wow, so okay. You know, so it was- No, it's it, effective. It I, I know if I ever saw something like that or came across it, I'd veer away now. Um, I mean, it was very effective in the film. I, it was creepy. And then just more that you added to it with the story element as well. Yeah. And, and I, I think finding a, a shag rug of, of that, you know, like, I guess like for lack of a better word, like fluffiness, mm -hmm. definitely like pretty challenging. I think we had gone through a couple of rug options, but then eventually like the, the one, um on rugs.com was just you know the 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 most um i don't know tactile uh okay and so it so it also helped us with the production design and because you know emily kim and jordan shervitz like our production designers had to put a lot of uh like clay which kind of served as as, as our dust into the fabric oh. of the carpet and that's how we achieved that effect um okay well so so that's the clay neat. is like, is like very safe because we were, you know, so close in proximity to it. So that was our first concern, but then also just like, um, it's, it's a very thick powder, which was like super fun to kind of see on camera. Um, and so, yeah, so the rug I think was, was a really perfect prop in terms of how it looked and how it felt and, and all the stuff that it could hold in terms of just like our special practical effects. 
Um, how long did it take you to shoot the project? Um, yeah. Uh, so shooting it was, was, we shot it in two and a half days. Um, so we shot all of our day scenes, all of our night scenes, and then we spent a half day in a studio. So it was, it was quick. It was a, definitely a sprint. Um, especially because we were starting, um, I mean, our, our classes started the week after we finished shooting. So we had, we got to squeeze everything in really. Cow. Yeah, so it was, <laughs> it was a sprint. Um, and everyone who did it, you know, was still in school and, you know, they, they were absolute troops for rallying, um, and kind of giving up their, their last bit of summer to, to do this project. Um, the, the editing was a completely different story that took, you know, eight months to, to push out. So it was, yeah, so it was definitely a sprint and then a marathon, you know. So what is it like now though, to see it starting to be at festivals? How's that feeling? Oh, it's, uh, it's definitely surreal. Um, I, for the longest time, you know, I think with, with every movie um, or every film, like there's a point where you just don't know what you're working on or you, like you don't, you feel like you don't know if it's going to play anywhere or get, find a home anywhere. Um, yeah. Right, right, right. No, so, no, I, I, t- I, I hear that a lot. And I'm like, I, I honestly, before this, I didn't know how much went in to the movie making process and how much went into also, I guess, really the, um, the selling of your product or just getting a distributor, like any of that. So it's, it's major that it's playing at festivals. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like we have a lot more exciting announcements that are, are still kind of being like solidified, which is cool. Um, but I, yeah, I think just like even seeing it at, at Overlook in New Orleans um, was, was really, really special because um, it's the first time that I, I've seen a film of mine play on, on a big screen for like an audience that I, I don't know, uh, which is really exciting. And just seeing them like visibly react or like um, kind of jump out of their, jump out of their seats during different moments. Is really special. Um, something that I like, I always like to add is like we designed um, this movie to kind of be a very theatrical experience um, because of you know in terms of sound, like we use the full breadth of uh, 5.1 Dolby to really like get audiences to feel the rumble of certain scenes and to really immerse them um, in in our like historical footage, for example, um, and then also like in terms of like. There's, there's one like, and I'm so glad this worked at Overlook or like, I'm so glad this like came together at, at Overlook and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it in other theaters, but like there's one like key camera flashing effect that kind of plays um, after like a jump scare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, I remember Graham, our DP and I were talking about how we wanted to play in theaters and like, you know, there's something so great about seeing movies on the big screen because it's so involving for an audience Mm -hmm. the camera flash go off on the movie and kind of seeing that really overexposed image bounce back onto the audience you know it was almost like we were capturing them in that photograph as well which is like it's something that's like it's so it's so abstract when you're like planning it in a room with you know um with nothing and then when you go see it in a movie theater it's uh it's so gratifying to i guess see that come through because it's not like you know and again like it doesn't have to happen that way and and like it probably would still be just as good watching it on a laptop screen but seeing it um in a yeah just in a row of seats is just yeah it's really special so 
seeing it in yeah so i don't know uh, I'm, I'm just excited to go and, and watch it in more theaters and see how people react to it i think that's great also I found that interesting at Overlook, though, um, sitting in a, a room knowing that possibly the filmmakers in there, that, <laughs> that made me on edge because I always, you know, well, when it comes to horror, I'm always going to enjoy it. It's just a matter of how much. And I also don't want to be that that person who like screams loudly or jumps really. I don't want to be that guy, but I kind of am sometimes. <laughs> so I I think that's really kind of unique that you get to experience that. Uh, and I think Overlook was just a great festival in terms of just the genre. Um, so the fact that it got to play there, but I can't wait to see where else this goes. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's truly, uh, you know just one uh, uh, as an Asian American, but just being able to see this and see the story you're telling. And the fact that you got me to go look up history that I didn't know about. It just, it's very thought provoking, but also like it hit me in the heart. And again, I don't, I, I still, you know, remember growing up and just not seeing myself represented. So just knowing other people are seeing this, um, yeah both in front of him behind the camera. I just think that's really amazing. Yeah, you know, and, and like, I think like genre, Asian American genre representation is, is so important because, it, and it's, it's important too, to I think keep in mind like, like how we can do this ethically and responsibly because like, you know, the last thing I want this movie to be or like any of any future movies, I guess, would be just exploitative, you know? And I think mm -hmm. I, we have to toe a line between making it meaningful and making and making it you know not meaningful and and, and I, I think that's something that that I it's always really present in my work and so I hope really comes across um and hopefully it's come across with you but also like other people you know so it, it did I I again not spoiling scenes but there are just certain things that you did that I really again I appreciate because I again it was more emotional it was still just as intense because again those last few moments I was my anxiety levels were just through the roof uh and and still even afterwards because it was just like whoa what? yeah I had to process what I watched it, it, again it's you know it was fantastic so I, I'm curious then too what do you have what's next then are you working on another short or thinking about uh feature length yeah well you know uh so we also joke that the feature length version of this is just uh it takes place in a, an interior design store and it's about like killer carpets and killer couches and stuff like that which is not going to happen um it's a joke i know uh, but it's a good one though i i mean <laughs> i'm not i would go see it just saying you know I, if, if if something <laughs> does come to mind like I'd love to pursue it, but this feels like a very like one-off um, piece. But I, you know, I, I'm I'm always open to options. Um, in, in terms of like next next stuff, like I, you know, I'm I'm writing a lot of of stuff in the genre space. I think like that's where I just have so much fun. Um, and there there are a couple of projects that that I won't talk about now, just because like I, I I'm still kind of hashing out the details. Sure. But, um, but I really love reinventing classic mythology and classic horror mythology um, with an Asian American spin, um, uh, which, yeah, That's I think, amazing. Like, yeah, which is so cool because I think there's so much, you know, and in terms of like the adaptation, there's so much to pull from um, in terms of cinematic history or 
literary history that like really excites me and can really make something a lot deeper um, than what initially it might be. Um, so I'm writing a, I'm writing something in that space. I'm writing like a, um, I also love like the procedural genre uh, on a, off a side note, like. No, no, uh, that's okay. I'm, I'm a huge law and order fan. <laughs> so yeah, I love oh the procedural. <laughs> so like some, I've, I've been toying with something in, in that area as well, but like, um, but definitely stuff that I will push out into the world when, when it's ready. <laughs> no, I think that's great. I mean, it's insane that you just finished school, but you, okay, still put out this, this project. And I just, uh, that's insane. Yeah. It's, it, it's been, it's been a rush, you know, it, uh, it's been like busy for sure, but like, I think it, the, the best kind of busy and, and a good problem to have. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm very thankful that, you know, that this has not only found a home, but multiple homes and, you know, all across the, the world, uh, you know, soon, but, um, but yeah, it's been fun. And, and when it ends, I look forward to just keep grinding and, and keep telling stories and, you know, just, just keep, keep on, keep it on. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's great. And um, I honestly, I can't wait for more people to see this. Um, and I'll just tell people to keep an eye out for Swept Under because it was, oh my God. Ugh. It's just, again, another solid project that came out this this year to me for horror. And I really feel this year has been great with horror films in general. So to end this, I'm curious now if you've had some downtime, what is, you know, a la uh, the last good horror film that you watched or that you enjoyed? Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm going to have to pull up my letterbox. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I've been catching a lot of movies at the AMC, making the most out of my Stubbs membership. Um, I just smart. saw Marcel the Shell yesterday. It was so funny. I need to see that. It's not, it, I don't think it, it's playing here. I don't know when it comes out, like, like, like nationwide, but like definitely it's, it, it, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's great. Uh, <laughs> and, and such like a good change of pace from like other stuff that I've been watching. Um, but okay. In terms of horror. Um, you know, there's a, there's a Korean, like, there's a Korean horror thing from 2001. It's called Sosorum, S-O-U-S-O-R-U-M. Um, it's a, it's a really slow burn horror that's, like, takes a deep dive into, like, the psychology um, and psychological effects of, like, trauma within, like, a bunch of residents in a Korean, uh, like, apartment condo. Um, and I just really enjoy, like, I think from a like from a visual standpoint it does a really good job of just telling it visually but then also it keeps it just it's more mystery than I think horror there aren't like a lot of jump scares or, or scary stuff but like definitely keeps you on your edge about you know what what the conclusion is going to be and I, the ending is like is is like a it leans and the ending turns into more horror stuff but like that was a really really solid watch recently um I've been catching up a lot on like on on genre classics too like I just um I just watched Death Proof, Tarantino's movie. And- uh, You just, for the first time? The first time, I know. And like- <laughs> I gotta oh, remember God. I'm older. I saw that in theaters, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that must have been crazy in theaters. Um, I was watching it just by myself, but it was, uh, I mean, that was so much fun. You know, My I think- I was think pounding during that entire sequence. 
yeah and like you can tell he has so much fun making his movies as well as you know writing them and for it's it's it was just really refreshing to to watch that because it just kind of shows you what you can do with you know genre and the form and writing and structure and um it's just so out there you know and like like i think you'd be hard pressed to find something as playful and as fun as, uh as that was today and the stunt in that like oh yeah oh my gosh hi i mean i remember i was literally trying to rip the arm handles off in the theater while watching that because i was just like when when's it going to happen what's going to happen this is so intense because i will say when i watch a horror film I just completely surrender to what I'm watching. Everything else around me does not exist. I'm fully invested. And so that's why I, maybe for me, sometimes I get, I enjoy the experience more than maybe some do because I just, I love the genre. Um, Actually cinema in general, but this genre specifically. Uh, But yeah, that's, man, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. I'll definitely have to to revisit it, but. Yeah, I think that I think those are some of the the highlights that that I've seen recently. But um, how about you? Oh, I've seen way too many. I will say um, uh, Chloe Okuno's Watcher is a slow burn that has a really great payoff. And Mm -hmm. um, from a directing standpoint, she's just awesome. Like some of the shots she pulls off is just and whoever their um, location scout was that that was stunning. Like it was just visually stunning. And then um, I was lucky enough to get to see the black phone at Overlook. Oh, same here. Yeah. It just, I was, it, wow. I haven't been to a theater experience though in a very long time. Um, That was one, a packed house in a sense, and people either yelling at the screen, cheering, laughing, gasping like that. It was just, that's why I love cinema and you know I will say since the pandemic that you know here you know in in Missouri places were still open but they were dead though in a sense like I remember what was it uh I think army of the yeah army of the dead played at one of our theaters here and there was only maybe one other person in that theater besides myself and then when I went and saw um the demon slayer film I was the only person in the cinema i was like well that's cool but i was like well this that deserved a big audience but you know right no and you know i think i think like i i love seeing anime play on the big screen like it's it's so much fun it warms my heart can i tell you i one of my favorite things seen on screen was um spirited away when it came out yeah i man well you know like you know you know fandango is doing like a like a amc run of ghibli movies yes i need to um see the some of those i own them all but i think spirited away was the very first one i got to actually see when it came out and i just remember because still as much as i'm like oh awards me nothing same thing i was so excited i'm like please win the oscar please win the oscar um, and it did, and I was so happy to see how well it was just received around the world. And then, uh, same thing, Demon Slayer, you know, in a, a you know time of the pandemic was I think 2020s or 2021 or 2020s biggest global box office haul. So I was like, that's amazing because that that anime was that was something else too. 
It's yeah, it's intense for sure. I you know, I binge watched the the Netflix um, seasons just so I could catch the movie in theaters, and it was it. it I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> Same. Um, so it was, I mean, it was worth it. My my eyes definitely you know paid the price, but it was uh, it was definitely worth it. Same. I I did that, and I just finished watching everything else that they have released so far on. I think Hulu has them all after the film oh really okay no yeah so i want to say there's about yeah. maybe 12 or 13 more episodes it's the okay. entertainment district so that was solid too okay. um that's something else i would love to see more um yeah more anime on the big screen but i'll settle for just more horror that is just again it's a great year for horror. So. And really thankful that, you know, we were able to have this conversation. It's been, it's been amazing talking with you, man. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I'll put everything down below too. And again, I just, I want to say thank you. And I wish you the best of success because I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. Uh, and yeah, well, I'll keep you up to date. So. All right. Thanks. And to everyone else till next time. <laughs> Cue the outro music. Yeah. <laughs> You have been listening to the Horror Hour. See you next time.